life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. So this is a little bit different. This is the kind of podcasting you and I used to do, which is actually apart mm-hmm. remote, like we're on yep, a phone call. Yep. That's kind of where it all started. And here for we sure, are doing the same is. thing. Uh, and I apologize in advance for any background honking or noise because we are remote and uh, will be for the next three podcasts here. But uh, this is kind of fun. I'm doing some consulting work for a little company called Waymo. I'm out in Mountain View and head down working hard. So I'm just doing a couple weeks of consulting work. And I wish I could share more. I wish I could take photos of everything that I'm seeing. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. astounding. and uh, You are learning really cool. way more about Google than we ever imagined. There's way more of these cars driving around, that's for sure. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to brace all of you right now. <laughs> that pun is going to be never-ending until Paul returns. Sprinkle throughout. There's and gonna be whenever we reference it, we'll continue. Yeah. There's going to be way more autonomous driving jokes than you can ever possibly com- uh, comprehend or ha- handle. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I apologize now, but I also <laughs> cannot help myself. Every time Paul calls to give me an update, I end up making some other Waymo joke. It's, so it's hilarious. I, I'm sorry. I can't stop it. It's a disease that I have now. Uh, but we're also going to talk about the car disease tonight because, of course, this is the car debate. We have two really cool car debates actually coming up. We're going to try to do both the car debates in the front half of the podcast. Then we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with a ton of social media questions. Yeah, way you more guys questions. Buried pretty much. Way more questions than we way, ever imagined. Way You've more. Buried us in questions, which I love. So that'll happen as well. Uh, so there's a lot to cover. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't know, uh, we're on TV. Uh, episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. three is this weekend. That is the Civic Type R and the Focus RS. That is early. Oh, this tomorrow is going to be cool, happy, though. I can't wait. This is going to yeah, be Yeah, happy Friday, by the way. So early, early tomorrow morning, Saturday, 730 if you're on the East Coast. Uh, do the math if you're somewhere west of the East Coast. It gets earlier. So set no your DVR. Kidding. Watch that later. Uh, we would love to have you be watching it and let us know your thoughts. Of course, it will make its way to Amazon eventually. But I'm just this is a fun one. It's awesome. Civic Type R, Focus RS, red and blue. And what I love, and I want everybody to notice when you see the episode, is what Todd did in the edit, because we shot in California, actually, and it was the burned out areas. It was a stretch where the forest fires came through, and yeah, it yeah. does look just desolate and Martian and moonscapey and all those kinds of things. And so Todd color corrected, so just the cars pop out on this desolate landscape, and it just pops. It's, kind of fun. it's, it's really cool. Very different. Very different look to it, but of course we're hammering through the canyons, which is great. And so, yeah, that is uh, that is happening this Saturday. So, episode three it will repeat on Velocity. Uh, what six weeks after it airs for the first time? Yep. Yep, and for sure. thanks to our sponsors, we couldn't do without them. Our, our presenting sponsors: Covercraft, and of course, Griot's Garage, Auto Tempest, and Brush Hero. And be sure mm-hmm. to use that code every day for Covercraft and for Griot's. Covercraft will give you free shipping in the U.S. Griot's will give you ten percent off your order. So make sure you use those codes. We and have what's cool so about those codes? About. Waymo we, codes for sure. Waymo codes. Hey. Actually, it's the same code, thank God, so well, it's easy yeah. to remember. What's cool about the codes is we hear from those sponsors that you guys are using them. So it's it's not a random, arbitrary thing. They are letting us know, and they've talked about the fact of, okay, yeah, great, another person came in. So it's well, exactly. it's really great, so we appreciate it, and that does matter for sure. Exactly. They actually see and tell us, hey, we keep seeing Everyday Driver pop up or the code, and you know we know it's fans of the show. So keep doing that, and of course, yeah, you save sure. some money too, which is nice. 
Well, we have uh, a couple of debates which are going to be very interesting. We've got to jump over here to that. And these mm-hmm. are a couple of guys, as you've talked about uh, here, we're talking about these guys in Japan. Two guys in Japan, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Loving this. Uh, what they're else? Both in Japan, they're both in Japan for the moment. I mean, they will be back in the U.S. And uh, it's interesting to see as they shop right now. We've got, uh, I mean, the, the headlines are that we've got Matthew in Japan who is wanting kind of a unique Japanese car experience. And we've got Nick, who's currently in Japan, that is kind of shopping for the car when he gets back. So we're, we're thinking cool. from Japan this evening, and and I, we should just start with Matthew. He's writing to us. He's from Canada, but he right now he's a 24-year-old English teacher in rural Japan. And because he's there, obviously, he's uh, he does not have the car he had when he was here, which was a Lexus SC400, which he actually really, really liked. So he's looking around with about $8,000 to spend. He did the conversion for us. Thank you, because math is not our gift. He did the uh, the yen <laughs> conversion for Even us. Even though 800,000 so, yen sounds like a lot, it really sounds, converts sounds to like 8,000 yeah, U.S. A, a pile. So he's got about 8,000 U.S. dollars, and uh, what he'd really like is... This is a it's a daily driver, but he's he's kind of leaning more toward I want a fun car. Oh, absolutely! And and he also the, my favorite part about this is he said he's leaning toward a Miata. He's got the 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 Mazda NC. That's the third generation Miata on here, which is kind of the obvious choice. But he's also mentioned the uh, the Nissan Fairlady Z, the the O3, the uh, the Toyota Chaser. These are all older cars. A 2000 Chaser, a Nissan uh, Silva from '98, and even a '94 Celica GT4. Those are cool cars. But the thing I think is interesting about this, the biggest thing about it is he mm. says he currently drives a Suzuki Wagon R. <laughs> Very cool. But he lives near a lot of those classic Japanese roads, and so what he's looking for is he wants a, like a Japanese car experience, like a, a truly Japanese cultural experience, which which sent me off into a weird wild card, but I want to talk about some of the others as well. No kidding. Well, I thought of the, the cars that you're suggesting here, Matthew, are awesome. I also thought about the rest of the story. And that mm. is what we're not reading in your email is you're an English teacher now, and I'm curious as to how long are you going to be in Japan? Are you going to be mm-hmm. there? Are you making it a long-term thing? You just kind of riding the wave and thinking, you mm, know what, yeah. this could turn into something. And will this car therefore be with you long-term? Or do you have a cap on your stay and you're thinking, all right, in another year, two years, three years, and therefore you're going to be selling this car, whatever you get. Sure. That's sure. the rest of the story that I don't know about. So I'm kind of thinking, all right, obviously you'll sell it at some point, but for $8,000, there's so many, and you've listed these great ones here. The Toyota mm-hmm. Chaser, yes, it's the four-door, but okay, I'm I'm thinking of this other one. And uh, I, I just want to address, first of all, the cars that are available in the U.S. Those are the S2000, the Mazda, the NC Miata. The, mm-hmm. the cars that you can get in the U.S. and Canada, I don't think you should look at, even though hmm, you could make a, a sturdy choice towards, you know what, I want to enjoy them in Japan, and as you said, enjoy Japanese culture, and it's awesome. I love Tokyo, and I want to go back already. I want to go back and enjoy, as you said, uh, the mountain roads, the birth of drifting. Yeah, for sure. However, I'm looking at these other choices, okay, 03 Nissan Fairlady, so the 350Z, interesting. I liked the Toyota Celica GT4, but then I thought most of the cars on this list can be found in North America. Mm, And I mm. thought, all right, well, that brings me to a car that isn't. And, of course, there's the gray market imports and all that kind of stuff going on in the U.S. now, the 25 years or older that you can do. But what I thought about was the car that Todd and I drove. Actually, it's a fast blast on YouTube. It's a Nissan R32 
GTE or GTS. So either one of those two. Sure, sure. It's yeah. not the full boat GTR, but the owner is 16 years old. He's probably 17 now. And this is his first car. Yeah. And is, it's mm-hmm. my recollection. Correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but I think he paid eight grand. And then everything else on top of that was all the import fees and shipping and all that stuff. But you're, you're absolutely right. I think I mean, it he was found around a, eight grand, right? Yes. He found a middle of the road uh, kind of condition one. It wasn't the cleanest, but it also wasn't beat down. And all in, all in, like it's in the U.S. now and his, it was 10 grand. So yeah. that means it yeah. had to be seven or eight, uh, from what he told us, had to be seven or eight thousand. So I, I think that's a great choice because we know that is a that's a really fun car, especially for the money, and we know those are there. It's you're not searching for a needle in a haystack. I think right. that's really interesting. And also because it's not the R32, it's not the valuable, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. one everybody wants. But the GTR, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, the GTR. I, I think. It was so much fun and felt so strongly built. And his car actually had pretty low miles. He found it just sitting, and Mm -hmm. the owner had taken care of it, but just didn't drive it a whole lot. And I thought, I wonder if Matt can do the same thing, kind of find, hey, even the GTS, go for that. If you can, they're down on horsepower, but man, there's so much tuning stuff there for those cars. You could get into it if your stay is longer and you're planning to keep it for a while, but Low sure. price of entry to almost get the GTR? Come on. That just sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Plus, it's again, my headspace is the cars only available in Japan unless you go through the whole pain and hassle of importing it into North America. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. cars that are available there. Even though you could make a strong case for a NC Mazda, you know, going to find those roads. Those would be brilliant cars to do, but I'm just, I'm leaning towards the R32 generation for you. If you could do even a 33 or 34, but I don't think so. I, I don't. Yeah. We'll see, but, 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 I but think the lower the, versions, the, essentially. Agreed. That's the real play here. That's the thing you're mentioning here that I think is the key thing for Matt is if he chases those, who knows about the 33 or the 34 gen? Because if you're not chasing the GTR, you're into normal people money. And you're going right. to find a lot more of them. So right. I think that's the real key here that could be really interesting. Even I with like more miles. You know, the yeah. cars Agreed. just are so Agreed. robust, so well-built, yeah. and just long-term cars. Even a newer car with more miles, okay, mm-hmm. get it. You know, because you're probably going to be doing stuff to it anyway. So yeah. I, I'm just thinking that direction for you. I love that you're there and thinking, I want to go sample the car culture and go get something. But get something that is very much, you know, immersed in the culture and Cars most people can't get. Enjoy that. It's interesting. I um, I, that's where I went for a wild card. I'm going to come back around to something very, very Japanese culture because I was struck by that in Matt's email as well. I, I do have to still back his play on the third gen Mazda Miata. I mean, any generation, the MX-5, oh, you would sure. enjoy it. I, yeah, I yeah, hear yeah. what you're saying, Paul, and I and I kind of agree with you. And uh, you know that happens, believe it or not. I, I kind of agree <laughs> that the. Uh, that the Miata is something we can get here, and so you can sample it. But you're talking about sampling it on its home turf, which is really that interesting. That is compelling. In, in that, its own I way. I agree. Very compelling. On, in that world, though, I also think you need to look at the Toyota MR2 Spider. Interesting. Sure. Because, yeah. and, and, and I don't have a, I don't have a reason to, ex, to say this that I think makes sense. I don't have like a, a big backstory for this, but there's a part of me that almost feels like the MR2 Spider, and I guess it's because it's kind of close to the K cars in size. Oh, sure. Uh, I, Interesting. I feel like it almost feels more like that should be driven in Japan. The, the MR2 Spider just feels like a homegrown car to me there. So I, I, so I thought of that one. 
I like the Celica GT4. My favorite for you, though, is right. actually a wild card and a K car. Now, if you don't know what a K car is, that K car means that's K E I. Right, car. right. That is a, a classification of vehicle in Japan only. The closest thing we have here is the Mitsubishi iMeve. That was the weird, bulbous, looks like an, <laughs> a stretched out sm- smart car that Mitsubishi sold for a while that was all electric. I think they that, still do. They're still pushing that thing. I, okay. It is technically still out there. I'm not sure who's buying it. But, um, but, but that is essentially adhering to the K-car uh, qualifications and I don't know all of them, but essentially there are there are size limitations and there are engine limitations that is below 700 cc's. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right. So this, but what's interesting is because they are allowed throughout Japan, automakers have made unbelievably crazy K cars. There's an AutoZam. It's the AutoZam AZ1 that that is your little kind of like uh, half size DeLorean, if oh, you will. Oh yeah, with, right. Uh, which are which are fascinating. I think you should look at one of those. Uh, there is the Honda Beat, which is a funny little convertible. But I throw all of those out for my favorite car for you. All right. It is a K car. You currently drive a Suzuki Wagon R. You're looking at a, a Mazda Miata. My friend, find yourself the Suzuki Cappuccino. Cappuccino. It oh, is a interesting. It is a rear wheel drive K car. That is true. I saw one of those up in uh, Seattle at the shop up there. Somebody was working on one of those. They're very very small. They're I posted tiny. that on it's Instagram a while back. It was a white one. Oh 1, man, fifteen hundred pound car. Yeah, it's a roadster. It it makes the Miata look big. It's a fifteen hundred pound car, but it is a two seat rear wheel drive roadster. It might make your Lotus look big. Well, I think it would because the K cars are tiny. I think it Uh would. I mean, this is a a tiny, tiny little car with next to no power, but it is a little tiny three-cylinder turbocharged engine with a 1,500-pound car. That is pretty much the definition of the word chuckable. Yeah, true, And and because it is a Japanese market-only car, you're saying you want to drive fun mountain roads, you want a Japanese cultural experience. I just sit here and go, when else, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> Could you have a Suzuki cappuccino? True. True. <laughs> so that's my favorite. That's my I'm, favorite. I'm having a cappuccino? No, no, it's the Suzuki flavor. That's that's right. Yeah. And I'm sure it's I'm pronouncing it slightly wrong, but I'm just I'm going with that. I, I that is my favorite for you, Matt, because you're also tapping into that little part of me that would kinda like to have one. So I just <laughs> Seriously? I, I see, Yeah, why not? Because I figure you, but you're there where they're legal and you can find them. So I just figure you wanna wanna be there, have that cultural experience, now's the time. Can I wear one on each foot? I just Nearly. Saying. You can almost use them like roller skates. Who knows how big Matt is, but we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Matt, hopefully that is helpful to you. Man, I, I just, we need to go to Japan and drive some stuff in, yeah, in yeah. country, in, in uh, Japan. I would love that. So maybe we'll. Did you we see will. the email we got this week from, we actually got two emails this week. Yes, I did. Two very different email. One is an American living in Dubai said, when are you coming to drive my list of cars? There was that. And the other one, did you see this one? Another one was literally written to us, and I, I'm I'm fascinated that this listener exists. So thank you for writing, and I hope we do your car debate soon. Uh, he is another another Saudi prince. Oh, and I he's did saying see he that. wants to stand out from the other Saudi princes. I may be getting the email wrong. I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize for what I'm getting wrong here. I but it's did. Kind of a, it's I'm kind of a money not, no object. Car I'm debate. hoping it's real. I'm hoping it's not I am sort too. of a scam. I am of too. Somebody just kind of I don't know. 
I'm, I'm hoping yeah, it's I mean, genuine, I, honestly. The, the the tone of the email suggests it's a real thing, and I think it's fascinating. I, I you know, obviously we're a show called Everyday Driver. That's not really our wheelhouse most of the time, but it is. It is. We're all fascinated to do that kind of. What could I get? And that's what the question is. So it's apparently we need to go to the Dubai area as well because uh, there's stuff going on over uh, there that we need to be doing Dubai and UAE and all of those. Yeah, no but, kidding. Uh, it's only money. It's only money. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't see the email uh, today lately because I was doing way more work today and um, you know doing my thing. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Hopefully Waymo autonomous cars were around than you were on. But, uh, but hey, you're everywhere. supposed to be able to sit in a Waymo car and check your email. Isn't that the whole point? Yes, it reads it What's to going you on or over there? something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, the jokes continue, but we've got to get to Nick's email here. He is on Yanaguni Island. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly as well. I'm understanding that this is the westernmost part of Japan. I think it's almost straight south of Korea. But look this up. Yanaguni Island, he's riding riding a 50cc scooter around <laughs> on the island, dreaming yeah. about coming back to the States. And he said, I've got 50, 59 more days, less than that now, before he moves back to the Midwest in the U.S. And he's yeah. writing to us because <laughs> I love how you started off and said, uh, you know, we're, our episodes aren't available Amazon Prime Japan yet. But apparently people are selling our Icon films and Porsche 911 videos for 14,000 yen, which is, I think, a buck 50 and a buck <laughs> 75, respectively. <laughs> but, okay. But I just have to do All my right. public service announcement right here. We did not create distribution for Japan. No. So this is straight up piracy, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and that's money we'll never see. And that's a bummer, but well, I guess it's nice to have fans. I, 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 I don't know. Hey, I, I, I'm I just know. all about expanding the brand. So if people are enjoying it and watching it there, yeah. have at it. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's piracy writing to sucks. us. Anyway, <laughs> it yeah. Does. Uh -huh. It does. Well, like I said, he's uh, on Yanaguni Island, and he's going to be moving back to the Midwest to go to coding boot camp, where he might do some autocrossing and some high-performance track days, maybe Mazda Laguna Seca, because he's, you know, really thinking about that one. But he's uh, really thinking about something that he can get once he's back that is a fun mm -hmm. car. He's got a yep. list of requirements here, 10 to 15 grand, and he said... Apparently, I can have up to $17,000 budget if I make a compelling case, which I am prepared to do so. so I, love how, I love how you keep getting a caveat. This is Most of the emails we get now, and I realize you guys obviously don't see them. Most of the emails we get now, they, they don't even mention the Paul limiter. They give a price range, and then they give a little aside that says, but for Paul, it's this. They just uh, Everybody just knows. Everybody knows. It's coming. So, yeah. And I even pushed on that. I kind of went to 18, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> of course you did. Of course we'll you see. did. Anyway, Nick, uh, thanks for writing. All right, so what does he want here? Well, he he is requiring the car to be a manual, performance-oriented, of course, better fuel economy than a last-generation Subaru WRX, and it must fit one bag of golf clubs in a storage area somehow, wedged in, jammed yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. Maybe take all the clubs individually out of the bag and, like, bend them in certain ways to fit in the nooks and crannies. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know you've seen fitted luggage, right? These are fitted clubs. Fitted now, clubs. they don't work as well as they should, but they're fitted clubs. I mean, your game might, might uh, <clears throat> yeah, go to waste, but anyway. I, I'm envisioning, I'm envisioning a set of bent and fitted clubs that would go in a Pontiac Solstice. They're all at right angles. With, like, that, the just, collapsing yeah. shafts or something. I don't know. Need to invent uh, Something, these. yeah. 
this this takes a lot of cars out. And, and you actually you actually were uh, very specific, Nick. You said the golf clubs had to fit in the storage area, and the passenger seat does not count as a storage area. Dang it! Which I have to say, I went boo hiss when that happened. I just went, yeah. man, you're taking away con- tons of fun. But yeah. okay, so we're talking about actual storage space. Uh, you'd prefer to have limited uh, slip diff for not only rear wheel drive but also for the benefit of uh, of nasty weather and uh, and slightly fun. Let's be honest. Uh, right, better gas right. mileage than probably the mid twenties, hopefully, which is the world that the uh, the WRX lived in. And when I say mid twenties, I mean on a good day downhill. So th- <laughs> that would be good with a tailwind. Uh, and and if you needed to, you'd like to be able to have more than two seats. It's not a requirement. It'd be nice. Uh, so there's no, um, and you don't want any convertibles that, uh, weren't originally designed as convertibles. So for example, the S2000, if it wasn't only two seats would count, but a Z car would not. So you've been very specific about that and you wanted to just run. I mean, let's, let's have a car that's reliable. You, you did have a WRX at one point that you really, really liked. Uh, you nicknamed it HUD. I'm not really sure why, but you had that and it ran well. And so you're kind of, that's your car reference to work from. I have a list, Nick. I have a list of stuff that you need to you think about driving. Wow. I worked my way there. This was a tough one for me because, well, not just because of the budget, just because of your your adamant about that passenger storage area, your adamant about mm-hmm. the golf clubs, which yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I did grow up golfing with my dad. He was on the golf team in junior high, and he had aspirations for me. And we did have putting contests here and there, but... You know, usually I just, you know, if I go to the driving range at all, it's just to whack balls into outer space and I'm not trying to be good because <laughs> I'll be like, hey, I'm pretty good. Look at that last shot. And the next one I'm like, yeah, I'm terrible. I shouldn't even be here. What am I doing? So I, I do uh, get it. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, list of list of cars here. I'm going to work towards the car that I think you should really strongly consider. And I did find you okay. one. Okay, good. All right, great. But I thought of, you know, our friends at BMW really like that. The 996-911 came up because I thought, could you? And you can. It's just the straight base 911, say a 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. Straight 911, which you Where could. Where do the clubs go? Can they fit in the back seat of the 911? Well, he didn't say that you had to keep them all in one place. You could, like, <laughs> sprinkle them around the car, right? Like, <laughs> Longitudinally, this is this is the way I think about sports cars. I'm not sure Nick's going to tolerate that, but I do take your point. You could, you don't have, (laughs) you you find the lightest, simplest golf club bag on the planet, and you take everything out of the bag and you spread them. I see, I see where you're going. I mean, you know, they double as the strut tower brace. So you know, people ask you what you're doing. Like I'm actually unhooking my strut tower braces and my um, drop links because I'm going to play with those. So yeah, (laughs) unbelievable. Uh, What else? Okay, so the 135i, the BMW 135i came up in my mind. Sure. Went looking sure, for okay. those. Love the 996-911 for you. I veered down a different path when I looked at 2013 Honda Civic SIs for you. I thought, hmm, okay. Okay. But then I came across a 2006 Pontiac GTO with 8,600 miles, brand new car. Seriously? $18,000 living in Iowa currently. The problem is it's an automatic. Ooh. I thought, okay. I'm, That's been barely touched. I would love, that would be the car I'd recommend for you if it were a manual transmission. That would be it. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Maybe you can still find them. But I backed off from that because it is a large, heavy car. And I thought about the shoe, the BMW shoe, the M Coupe. Yeah, yeah. The Z3 Coupe. 
and they're hard to find. But what's not hard to find is a 2007 BMW Z4 Coupe 3.0 SI six-speed manual transmission with 93,000 miles. It looks well taken care of. 18 grand. What do you think? Wow. I I love that car. I still question, and I am not a golfer, okay? I, I have a... I have a good day when I can shoot a five on mini golf, okay? When I can shoot five for one hole on mini golf, I'm like, I'm doing okay. So I'm not a golfer. But I th- I think the golf bag struggle is real here for a car like that. I don't know that that works well, to fit a golf bag. I, I, but I, lo- I love the car. I think the car is a great choice. And, Nick, I'm going to say to you the thing I think at the, thought at the beginning, which is, I'm sorry, but put the golf clubs in the passenger seat. I mean, you you open yourself up to a lot more cars, but I'm going to try to play nice with the rules. But I I love that Z4. You know I do. I just really wonder how big's his golf bag. Could you just rent clubs at the... At the course, could you just like I mean, that keep seems them there like a in a locker yeah. or something? You know, better. But that's a better idea. You know what? Autocross and and track drive more, golf less. So now, when you go <laughs> golfing, exactly. that, that's the thing that happens occasionally. Is now the golfing and the tracking happens a lot. So when you go golfing, you just rent clubs. Drive more, golf less. Golf less, drive more. People will scratch their heads like, "Well, I'm at the driving range. What are you talking about? I don't get it." Maybe I've told the driving shoe joke before, right? Uh, I don't. Remember. I think I have. I, I was oh, no. I was at a I was at one of those sporting goods stores here in Salt Lake. This is a few years back, and people have asked before about driving shoes and that kind of stuff. And, and the shoes that I wear that I actually really like, I like the Motorsports line from uh, from Puma. This is not an endorsement; it's just I found they fit my feet really well. The tiny pedal box of both the FRS actually wasn't that little, but the Lotus is tiny in the pedal box. It so is. You got to wear small shoes. Yeah. So I, I like wearing these Pumas. So I went to one of those. I happened to be in one of those like you know mall size sporting goods stores here in Salt Lake. Sheesh. And the entire back wall of the store, and I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, the entire back wall of the store was sports shoes. Okay. So right. you're walking along, and like every 10 feet, it's a different sport. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like basketball, men, basketball, women. Yeah, it's just, it, 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 every sport you can it's imagine, insane. here's the specific yeah, it's shoe. nuts. So up walks this girl that works there, and she says, you know, bright as can be, desperate to help, can help me find anything. And I said, uh, yeah, do you have any driving shoes? And there was this moment of watching the gears work. And then she just lit up. She got so excited. She went, oh, you mean like for golf? Oh, no. And I said, no, no, I mean like for like performance, like motorsports driving. And she went, oh. And then she had nothing. Wall of shoes behind her. Probably probably 300 <laughs> shoes on display behind her. She's got nothing for me. So anytime she I hear sent dri- you over to where the rock climbing gloves are at. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wherever they keep those your in rock, the store. <clears throat> all your rock gears over there. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, so that was fun. Uh, so I always think about that anytime I'm actually in a sporting goods store. I just think I should walk over and ask somebody about driving <laughs> shoes. So, yeah, uh, but we're going to figure out what happens with golf here with Nick. Um, Maybe if you okay, called so them lifestyle is, shoes, she would have really had something. Stop. Stop. Yeah, I, I know. I hear you. So are you landing on the Z4 then? I'm kind of landing on the Z4 alongside the could you leave your clubs in a private locker, have your friend carry them <laughs> to the course for you, or rent clubs at the course when you get there. I'm just wondering because I would love that Z4 coupe for you, Nick. That would be awesome. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, I have a couple that he's mentioned that I want to speak to, and then I have uh, two recommendations. One I think actually meets all the requirements, and one comes awfully close. Mm, okay. So uh, you, you mentioned in passing here, Nick, that you actually drove the 86 chassis, the FRS BRZ. You drove it a while back and were very impressed, except at the time, 
your tuned WRX was running under 5, 0 to 60, so that turbo power had spoiled you and you just felt like the 86, no big surprise, felt slow. Now, you liked it otherwise. It really does solve this for you, and I'm mentioning that because you brought it up. It does solve this for you, especially with that fold-down rear seat. It does. Uh, that is I, nice. But I don't know. Mm. I don't know if you're going to get past the power on it. I do think that you're, since you're coming back with a different headspace, I think you should definitely drive one of those again. Uh, that also made me think of you should drive, and I, they're not. I don't know that they're quite sporty enough for what you're wanting, but maybe you should drive. Find what you can for your money. It's probably going to be the Infinity Q37. I don't think you can get as far as the Q60 Coupe for your money. No, but not for essentially. 17. Well, you're the, limited to 15, so you're screwed. Buddy. Yeah, exactly. I've got 15. It's it's the Z car with back seats. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, so right. I think that's an option. But my two favorites for you, because I am certain they will both fit golf clubs, I am certain they will both feel faster than the 86 chassis, but yet they are genuine sports cars available in manual for your budget. Mm. All right. The first one is a, which generation can you find for the money? And that is, go shop Corvette. You're def- you can okay. definitely get a C4. You might be able to get a C5 for this money, depending upon where you shop. The, the back Possibly, hatch of a, yeah. Yeah, seriously. It, it's a question. The back hatch of a Corvette, though, is deceiving. Every time we have one, we throw gear at it and then kind of step back and marvel. Yeah, they swallow I mean, a it, lot, actually. It's, it's amazing. It's just a big, I don't know another way to put it. It's like a big partial shelf back there. It's just this big, flat area. Mm, sure. And I know for a fact you could spit, fit more than one bag of golf clubs in the back of most Corvettes. Now, you only have a two-seat. You wanted maybe a two-plus-two. You only have two seats there. But you've got a Corvette, good power, limited slip, rear-wheel drive, uh, you know, manual. All of those things can happen, and golf clubs. So see what Corvette you could find for your money. But then the other one that I feel like is my, my brain went there directly when I started thinking about the problems with the 86 for you specifically, Nick. And that is you need yourself a Genesis Coupe. think so. Interesting. I think so. Get yourself the V6. Don't get the 2-liter turbo. Get yourself the V6 Genesis Coupe. I think that is the better engine for that car. I actually like the first gen. I think the first gen styling is aging better than the, than the refresh, personally. But Yeah, the like, refresh was a little half-hearted, and then they killed it for a while. They might bring it back. I kind of hope they do. And, we'll see. We'll you know, see. bring the N version of that. That, that would be, be something. Cool. That would be cool. But, you know, that's a genuinely that. fun car to drive. It's It's not as dynamic as the 86, but it's more powerful. It's a little bigger than the 86 in feel, but it has a nicer, bigger cabin and a fold-down rear seat. There's no question your clubs are going in the back of that car, and I think you would genuinely enjoy it. So, uh, And you said, you know, there, you also mentioned in here, I think it was kind of funny, you didn't want another WRX because you feel like it will never live up to the one you had, and you don't want a Mustang because you have buddies that have muscle cars, and all their muscle cars <laughs> right. would be better than yours. Right. So I'm trying to avoid these landmines, too, and I land on Genesis Coupe. I think that's the, the play. You know, I wonder from maybe not a, a price standpoint, but maybe from a performance and size standpoint, a redone next generation Hyundai Genesis Coupe N version might compete against the upcoming Toyota Supra from a size perspective. I see where you are. I maybe see where you that, are. that could be good. But of course, I'm inventing cars out of thin air that don't exist. So, yeah. 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 I mean, they, they don't even have it for real yet, let alone the Supra for real yet. Yeah, it's yeah, going to no be a thing. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a review. Never. And the 12th of never. all right well guys thank you so much nick really appreciate it you writing in and matt as well uh can't believe you guys are both in japan maybe you can uh find a way to hook up and uh go driving get uh yeah get some driving under your belt so 
hopefully that works. Uh, if you've got your own car debate, Everyday Driver TV is the Gmail address that you need to write us to. And then under the About tab on the EverydayDriver.com website is Contact. Right there, push that button. Yep. You can contact yep. us there and send us your car debate as well. It just kind of depends. Uh, either way is fine. We, d- we don't mind either and love hearing from you guys. Write to us your own uh, interesting car debate. and we love. Uh, hopefully we can get featuring that and uh, get to it. But we do have a break coming up. We will be right back and then lots of social media questions after that. If you like sports, Podcast One has got even more great sports podcasts for you. New on Podcast One Sportsnet is Baseball and Chill and the Big 12 Podcast. You can listen each week to Kelly Nash and Scott Brom from the MLB Network as they cover all the stories from baseball. Then jump over to the Big 12 Podcast and listen to Chuck Cooperstein each week as he checks in with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and other guests to go over the best highlights and look ahead to the biggest events in the conference. Remember, these shows are all free exclusively on Apple Podcasts or PodcastOneSports.com and even the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share them with a friend. Also, leave a rating and review for those shows and this one. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to talk about underwear. Yes, it's a family podcast, but I'm still going to talk about underwear. There is a company called MeUndies. That's right. It's MeUndies. It's expelled exactly like you think it is. Think of it this way. The right underwear is as important as the right car, and we choose the right car for you. Every good driver needs good underwear. If you go to MeUndies right now, there is a no-risk trial offer. If you're not happy, they'll refund the cost, and you can keep the pair of underwear because they don't want them back. Because you're listening to this show, you can get 15% off your first pair and free shipping. All you got to do is go to MeUndies.com driver. I don't need to hear about it, but you can go get underwear there. The first 25 folks to send a proof of purchase, which is a screenshot of your purchase or the receipt, you will get another pair free if you send that proof of purchase to gift at podcast one with driver in the subject line, you will soon have another pair in your collection. They've also got hoodies. They've got really cool pants you can hang out in. Men, women, it can be shipped right to you. Go to MeUndies.com slash driver. Yes, MeUndies. Let's talk about Brush Hero real quick. It is a must-have, I think it is, for your car care arsenal. Brush Hero is water-powered. It's a detailing tool. It doesn't move quickly. It actually, it's this very simple little thing. You look at it and you think, how does this work? It's this very simple thing. It just has lots of torque. You can get two great brush heads, a soft one for sensitive surfaces and a harder one for stubborn, stubborn muck. I used it on a mountain bike and it was brilliant. While originally designed for fast and easy expert-level car and motorcycle detailing, The Brush Hero can clean virtually anything. You name it. Rain gutters, barbecues, lawnmowers, boats, and more. It's really easy to use. Just hook it up to any standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. It's a great gift idea, too. They've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. Everyday Driver listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with the code DRIVER. That's right. Use the code DRIVER for this show to get 10% off. You can also find Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores if you don't want the discount. All orders over $40 ship for free. And again, if you use the code DRIVER, you get 10% off. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. It's kind of weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. 
And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid. You know, so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno, live on the scene of a recent windstorm, here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. We're back with the second half of the podcast only being social media questions. So many great ones have come up for this podcast. I've marked more than I even normally do. We'll see how yeah, many no we get through. There's a lot of really good ones. Thank you, guys. We, we always reach out on social media a few hours before we record. Sometimes it's a whole half day before we record. Thank you for all of you that put in your uh, your great questions. Thank you for those of you that are still rating and reviewing the podcast. We always appreciate that. It does oh, yeah. help us stay and higher in the ratings. So that's, that's how it grows, honestly. For sure, for sure. And many of you are rating on Amazon and elsewhere as well. We appreciate any place where you can give us a rating. We would love it if you would because I resist the urge to rate myself. <laughs> I say that because I just I don't want to be that guy. So thank well, you for yeah. the nice ratings and for giving us honest feedback. We really appreciate it. I'm diving into questions here with our friend Derek writing to us and asking something that is on our mind a lot, and that is any more details on the Utah adventure. I want to remind everybody that is the first weekend of October. That is October 5th through 7th. It is coming up. It's one of those a la carte things. We have a lot of events scheduled uh, it's going to be very cool. Some track time, some drive time, etc. Some cool meals, etc. We've got a lot of nice links coming up. I say this because the page is at the review stage. Mm-hmm. So right, by right. next podcast, we will have the page live. We'll let you know that for sure. We're just in kind of the check for errors kind of step at the review page. So it's almost there. And I want to get you guys all of the info so you can start signing up and, and locking in. Many of you have written to us privately and said you're coming. We would love to see you. So we hope that happens. So, Derek, thanks for the question on the update. Yeah, very cool. And Allison M., she's asking that uh, the music, and you've probably noticed that we change the music every year of the podcast. So it's the, mm-hmm, the, the opening intros, yep. jingle. And so she said, I see you're approaching the one year. Are we planning to change the, to coincide with season three? Well, season three, not with TV, but actually season five of the podcast, which is crazy. Starting year five. Yeah. Year five. But yes, we are. But since I'm in California, we're just going to wait a week after because I'm here right now. And, and um, I think Todd's busy editing or something for TV. A little I, bit. I'm doing a couple things. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure yeah, what yeah. he's doing. So I decided to come to California for a couple weeks. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is that end of July. We originally started the podcast. Okay. Hang on to something I need to when I say this sentence. Yeah, no kidding. We originally started the podcast at the end of July in 2014. So this, we're right at the beginning, the end of our fourth year, the beginning of our fifth year of the Car Debate podcast. Thank you to those of of you that have listened to every single one of them. That's a lot of Paul and I. Uh, So anyway, but thank you for that. But we do try to mark those anniversaries, as Allison's noticing. We, uh, We mark those anniversaries with an all new intro that will be coming soon. And I, just like you guys, I get the intro kind of ingrained in my head. And then when a new one happens, I go, oh, my gosh, that's, that's awfully different. So that is coming. Thank you for the question. Yeah, no kidding. There's, a, there's an interesting point and question here from Fraser H. on Facebook. He's asking about a comprehensive guide 
on buying a used enthusiast oh, yeah. car. And this is intriguing to me because I think, well, doesn't, you know, isn't volumes and information already available on the internet like that? And it, it actually really isn't. There's many sites, but not a, hey, here's what to look for. And that's what he's saying. You know, the more that he researches cars, he's interested in the, hey, look for this year of cars, which a lot of outlets do. But then, yeah. you know, hey, watch out for that part that could break or, you know, this thing could happen to you if that does. Nothing to fear. Do this. Or, you know what? That could make you hesitate from buying that car. And so he's looking for something like that, which I think is a good idea. I'm just wondering how that could manifest itself, maybe in video form or maybe a written, you know, something that we could make a living document or a living thing yeah, as yeah, yeah. information comes up. Because the things like the IMS bearing issue, you know, if if we wrote that document like, uh, I don't know, you know, a lot of car outlets that were playing it safe, in other words, they would just tell you to never buy a Porsche because, well, it's oh, going to sure. break yeah. because the IMS bearing well, that's just not the case, or BMW sure, sure. at all because of the the you know electronics or whatever is going to go out or yeah. subframe issue on a on a uh, E46 M3. You know, I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah, buy yeah. a pushrod V8 and call it a day, and you know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, you know, sell all Volkswagens before they hit sixty thousand miles. You know what else? You know what I mean. But I, I'm just I'm I sure, like the idea, sure, sure. but I'm just kind of thinking, all right, that uh, that could manifest itself in just some initial tips and then kind of keep a video series going or a topic Tuesday going. And by the way, yeah, I'm think, thrilled to hear that you're liking the topic Tuesday. Many people yeah. are saying, keep this going, keep sending us ideas for the topic Tuesday. That could be, yeah, those are cool. Th those the are requirements really cool. are something that could change. It doesn't have to be a definitive. This is how it is answer. <laughs> yeah. It probably won't be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more of an ongoing discussion, things that you think about, Things like that. But I, I love, Fraser, your question here, but I'm just kind of wondering how it would the, look. The scale of that question is immense. And I think, it is, I, yeah. I, I feel like the limit to your question, Fraser, from our perspective, is that I think we could do something on video or written that are kind of the general uh, approaches, general things to look for, buying an enthusiast car, be aware of these things. But then the last step for me, for you, I think for anyone buying a specific enthusiast car is you have to go to the forum because there are guys on any forum that will know much more than Paul and I will ever know about a specific model oh, yeah. because they're yeah. embedded in that model. And most forums, especially for enthusiast cars, have got some sort of page, titles vary, but some sort of page that is – if you're looking to buy one, look for these things. It is the buyer's guide page because those questions invariably come up. I, I remember seeing one when I owned a 300ZX. There was one for the Saab 92X. There was one absolutely for the Lotus Elise. So when you buy a lot of these cars, Porsches, a lot of the Porsches have got them too, where it just says, you're buying one of these cars, look for this. That ends up being a definitive document once you narrow yourself down to a specific car. But I think it is possible for you and I, Paul, to maybe do something that's a little broader than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe something like that. So we'll consider it. Love the idea. What other questions did you find on here? Oh, so many of these. Um, the You know what, Devin, I want to speak to Devin's question. Devin's asking a question that related to a written email that I traded with, with one of you out there about manual transmissions. De Devin's saying, oh, sure. okay, the new Supra is coming, we think. When it arrives, we also think it will not Don't have a manual joke transmission. While I'm drinking. <laughs> we yeah, well, think. I mean, come on, you know. It, hopefully, we'll have Waymo Supra. But uh, the, we'll have so Waymo you, Supra. It won't be a Waymo exactly. Supra, but it'll be Waymo Supra. Yeah, something like that. So, given that the rest of the car is probably going to be very advanced, it's going to be you know, it's going to be this is supposed to be the cutting edge Toyota sports car, mm -hmm. and it won't have yeah. a manual. His question is, should we care? 
I mean, have we reached a place technology-wise where if we have a bunch of really great technology in a car, should we care that it doesn't come with a manual? Interesting question. Also, Devin, I have to say, a fighting words question. Yeah. Because you you raise that in the wrong (laughs) place and you get accused of not being a car enthusiast or somebody that doesn't like driving because you aren't concerned about a manual. Meanwhile, and I'm forgetting your name, I don't have it in front of me, I'm sorry, I traded a series of emails with one of you that wrote in and your question made me laugh because your question was essentially this. Why do we still have manuals? And, oh, and you'd asked, you'd yeah. asked all of your friends this question, and all they'd done is proceeded to explain to you how a manual works. And you were like, why does nobody get my question? My question is, why do we have them? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, this is a, again, this is a fighting words discussion. This is, you know, rival sports teams kind of vitriol for, uh, for among car enthusiasts. I'm going to try to to touch on this carefully using the same metaphors I used when I traded this email. Here's here's the analogies I, I want to say about manual transmissions. And I say again, I drive a Lotus Elise. I love the manual and Lotus Elise. I am obsessed with manual transmissions, and I'm still, in spite of that, going to say this: uh, we've been surpassed, folks. I don't care how good you are at heel toe. I don't care how great you are at driving manual. The the modern automatic gearboxes have surpassed us. Uh, they are yeah. faster and better yeah. than we are. The, the, the king it's of it, of course, being the that. PDK, but that is the case. No longer are you better off on the track in a manual. Nope. No longer are you faster in acceleration with a manual. Nope. We've been surpassed. The, the, the robots have taken over, okay? So, so embrace <laughs> that. But, but here's the thing about a manual transmission. The two analogies I would have are, follow me, washing dishes or painting a picture. And, and follow what I mean. Okay. I know people that don't have a dishwasher. Now, I'm obsessed with having a dishwasher. I don't want to wash dishes. I don't I, the, understand the dishes, not having a dishwasher. Have, the dishes we have to hand wash annoy me. But I know people that find it therapeutic mm-hmm. to hand wash their dishes. Sure, sure. Similarly, if you stand and look at a gorgeous scene, pick your gorgeous scene at a national park, that spectacular scene, and you can walk up with your smartphone, which is a good camera, but not a great camera. Let's agree. You can take a photo with your smartphone, get back in your car, you were there for 10 seconds, and you have a photo that really is the scene. But three people down from you is a guy with an easel that's been there since 9 o'clock this morning. He's been there, (laughs) he's sunburned, and he's sitting here painting this expanse. Plein air, yes, right? His, His painting, let's be honest, is never going to be as exact as your photograph taken on your smartphone. Never gonna happen. But yet he is going to appreciate that painting in a way that your photo will never be appreciated. My point is both of those very manual versions, the person washing the dishes or the person painting the painting, they are getting therapy and benefit and uh, relaxation, if you will, or extra engagement by doing the manual less efficient thing. This is why manual transmissions exist. And this is why I hope they continue to exist, but they're going to become more and more of an outlier for those of us, as I follow the analogy, that either want to wash our own dishes or paint our own painting. I like that analogy. I like both, actually. I'm I'm somewhere in the, yeah, the, the thinking of manual transmissions as a less expensive option to bring the price of the car down has been left behind us because of Mm, the mm. demand. That's originally, in my opinion, why manual transmission existed. Because why offer this? Well, we, you know, people might choose that. It's a simpler option. Sure, sure. It's simpler. It's less complex. It's cheaper. Because automatic transmissions, and as good as they've gotten, have gotten very expensive. So 
over time, and I cannot point out the decade or the year or the time as to when the shift went from cars with manual transmissions are just the lower cost of entry for that car to mm. they're now an enthusiast tool, a therapy outlet, like you said. Yeah. Where yeah, did yeah. that shift happen? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. But it has. Because now cars, it's assumed, and the fact that you have a manual transmission, well, okay, it knocks some money off the car, but I want the manual transmission because of the reason, because you're an enthusiast yeah. or whatever that is. It, it's, a, it's a purposeful choice. It's not the car you ended it's, up in. And That's it's what's no happened. longer yeah. that, you know, car companies, they're making plenty of money now, and they, <laughs> they're not thinking, you know what, we should bring the price of that. No, they're going to offer it as an automatic transmission first, or CVT, or whatever it is. Because now just think about the electric future, and I'm thinking that walking around and driving around here in Mountain View, astounded. I saw a BMW 530e. Mm, mm. It still has exhaust oh, wow. pipes. Don't worry. It's still a hybrid. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going, wow. It had Euro tags, German tags on it and everything. And I thought, okay, everything is going that direction. And pretty soon, every car will not have a manual transmission. And I've got a Mazda 6 rental car that I'm beating the cheese out of and loving it. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this car. It's excellent. Put Good. it in sport mode. I'm shifting okay. it myself and I am a blur in traffic. Nobody's ready for me out here. They're, they're, no, they're just not, not ready yeah. for this. I mean, I'm just, you know, everybody's in traffic cruise, just kind of cruise along and I'm, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I'm dashing well, around, let's put it that way. But, but. but you you have always been, since our days in L.A. and you remain this, you have always been like some sort of ninja-sniper combination in traffic. Yeah. You, you I, just, yeah. Th- you are a constant, you know what, actually the better description is you are a shark. You will never find you not moving in traffic. You are constantly sharking your way, finding a hole. It's it's fascinating. And I, and I do continue to laugh that I can somehow sit in the passenger side and look down and text <laughs> because you are hooning through traffic at all times. Yes. So, I, yeah. I, I want to caveat that. That is not just weaving in and out of cars. I, do not hear that when Todd says that. This is a a constant, smooth just, just <laughs> no, I agree. going in. Between. No, it's I not agree. just you're moving not, and being stupid and dangerous. You're not like reckless. That. that is not what I'm doing. It's just not uh, reckless. I'm moving a, a little a, bit faster than traffic and just finding the holes and just purposeful driving. Let's put it but that a, way. But a, way, a Waymo van is is not not nearly ready for that kind of thinking, for sure. Oh, no. No, no. It's, it's interesting. People stop and wait longer just to make extra sure pedestrians aren't going to be hit. It's rather <laughs> comical. Oh, that's it's like, terrible. okay, the street's clear. You can that's go now. It's terrible, just but it's another funny. beat, oh, another man. beat. It's, okay, I get it. You know, we're mapping everything. You'd think everything would be endlessly, completely mapped by now. Millions of miles driven, right? Funny, funny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's uh, it, interesting. M, M, M Lim 17 wrote in on Instagram. She said, uh, not a serious car question, but she's curious. She's married to a man with the car disease. Thank you guys for listening. Oh, they have yeah. a three-year-old that is now very into Star Wars and cars. Which oh, I'm glad totally, you picked this up. Totally appreciate this. They have noticed that if they see a white Kia Soul, think about the black accents on a white Kia Soul. Yeah. Or the black accents on a current <laughs> oh. Mitsubishi Outlander. Oh, I never thought of that. They have talked about how both of those look like stormtrooper cars, and their three-year-old calls them stormtrooper cars, which I completely get. I absolutely see why that's the case. Never occurred to me. Wow. He started asking the question of them, though, where's the Darth Vader car? <laughs> and so she's asking us, what's a Darth Vader car? What's a car oh. that goes down the road that looks like it could be Darth Vader, and I have thought of one? Oh. Oh. 
an all-black BMW i8 is Darth Vader in car form. I know Hot Wheels made one, but I'm just saying, look at the flares and the way that that car is put together and kind of folded on itself and all of that. That's Darth Vader in a car. A black i You don't see a whole lot of black i8s, but there's actually one in uh, the Park City area that I've seen a couple times of late. A black BMW i8 is Darth Vader in car form. I'm going with that. Interesting. Yeah, Hot Wheels did make the Darth Vader helmet car. It was actually recently. It's my buddy Brian. I actually worked with him 10 years ago or so. And uh, he went on to Hot Wheels and has been a stellar designer there. And he had it on on Jay Leno's show, actually. You can find it on YouTube. It's pretty cool. He did an excellent job, and he's, he's just yeah. such a great guy. I really like and, him. And that one, if you want to look it up, that is a full-size car that looks like the Darth Vader face and helmet. That was purpose-built. If you really want to show your three-year-old something really cool, look that video up. But I was trying to think of what's the, you know, the car from a manufacturer that just like the Kia and the Outlander happen to look like Star Wars characters, happens <laughs> to look like Darth Vader. And I think it's the i8. Oh, I love it. D. Griff goes places on Instagram and asking me about the Jeep. I do still have the Jeep. I have not sold it yet. I've been kind of dragging my feet. I've actually had it posted, and I really, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try some other outlets because uh, the few that I'm trying just aren't working yet. And I've had one serious party interested and shown it to them, but. I'm just still driving it and waiting for the right opportunity because he's saying, you know, surely that money could fund a Safari Porsche. <clears throat> yes, it could. Trying to spend my money for a change. You'd you? have, yeah, you'd have your 928 <laughs> winter turned. car and money left over. That'd be great. Oh, man. that that You've got me thinking all wrong financial ways, which does tie into Markarian <laughs> 501's question about, he said, I'm not, I, I'm well aware that you're not a financial podcast. No, we're not. very true. Very, very to spend true. your money. I love that people are now trying to spend mine, but do you have any guidance on how we decide our budgets when shopping? All caveats about different situations aside, it comes down to pain. Comes down to the pain. <laughs> Honestly, imagine yourself, not just the car, but after tax title license and then that yeah. monthly car payment taking a hit. If you can afford to buy it outright, lovely, wonderful, great, but still tires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fuel and insurance and how old are you and are you married yeah. and all those things do take a toll on the cost, the monthly cost of a car. So I come yeah. to the projecting myself forward into that situation. I think, okay, 500 bucks a month. And, ah, can I can I deal with that? And then another how much for insurance? And then, you know, and actually do that math and think, all right. Am I okay with this? Can I? You got to pay you know, to play, yeah. A, can my budget handle it? And B, am I just... It, it's less about actually affording it and do you want to afford it? Yeah. Can yeah, you, I see that. Can I allow myself to afford that? You know, can something else take a hit? Are you willing to, you know, stretch a little bit and something else has to be cut out of your life? You know, dinner's well, out or whatever that is. Yeah. And, and when you're in that car, is your enjoyment of that car going to offset the outgo? Yeah, is, is that pain great. tolerance going to work? You because know, once you get in, you know, is it like, oh, this is so worth it? I love it. You know. Yeah, and I mean, and let's be honest. That's a lot of what we want for all of you listening. We want you to have a car that engages you that much, that you like that much. But if you, but this is one of the th- the things that kills car love so quickly when you have an expensive payment and then the car refuses to be reliable. That kills the love faster than anything because now. You can't enjoy the car and you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. Yeah. It's really, it is a pain tolerance thing and it's a total pay to play deal uh, if you can tolerate the monthly. And that's the thing. I mean, I, almost every single time I get out of the Lotus, I think, 
man, I love that car. I, I just love that car. So, I mean, I realized I've wanted you, one though. for a long time, but that makes it worth it. Absolutely, yeah. it does. Yeah. You know, when we were paying off the Acadia and my wife thought it was, okay, that made that <laughs> monthly payment kind of painful because she was like, what are we doing here? You know? Right, but right. The, the monthly payment on the on the Cayenne, which she loves, is like, pay the car. Let's do it. You know That's, what I mean? Yeah, she loves that thing. So cool. Okay, what else? Uh, let's see. I want to go with uh, jsher 58 on Instagram, another really great one. She wrote in and said, okay, I'm trying to learn stick. Oh, this learn is great. Manual transmission. Yeah, great question. I have two options, older or newer. And I, and I, by the way, I have to admit a interesting bias for the way you re- we read emails here because she has two cars to possibly drive, to learn to drive stick. One is her boyfriend's car, and she lists his car as a C4. Now, depending on who you are, that could be C4 generation Corvette, or that could be Porsche Carrera 4. <laughs> yes. When you just put C4, could go either way. I've just put it out there. Uh, I'm pretty sure you mean Corvette here. So oh, I think uh, so. She, she has a willing boyfriend with a C4, and what she describes as her reluctant father with a brand new Wrangler. Both are available to learn to drive stick. Uh, she's sitting here going, okay, what do I learn to drive stick on? What's going to be better? I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here. The The biggest thing I want you to figure out is to get in both of those cars and depress the clutch and release the clutch and just see how hard is it. Can you feel? I'm talking about the car sitting there still off, just sure, sitting right. there still. Right. Can you feel the engagement point of the clutch? Which one do you feel like you can feel texture? I'm sorry for that term, but that's the best way I can think of. The texture uh, of the clutch, which can you feel better? Because that's going to help you. Uh, the... The thing I actually wonder here, I wonder if the C4 is the better call, unless it has an overly heavy clutch, partially because, A, it's your boyfriend, he wants to help you, and your dad's going, my new Wrangler, really? There's that. Uh, but if, if your boyfriend is really precious with his C4, you kill that a couple times, and that's going to be a fight. I'm just letting you know right now, you two are going to get in a fight. <laughs> so, um, you know. So buckle uh, your seatbelt. Get ready there, for there's that. There's a part. Here, here I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go you want a weird oh, one. Oh, no. I wonder if you should have your dad teach you in your boyfriend's car. Oh. Because then then you separate the preciousness of you're driving my car and I'm watching you kill it. You separate that out from the person teaching you. So I, I think the C4 might be a better call here, but either one would work. I'm going to give you an alternate you did not even ask for, though. Okay. All right. See if you can Turo something from the Volkswagen lineup. That has a manual. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an excellent Because suggestion. they're really, yeah. really easy to drive. The C4, I think, is going to have plenty of, I mean, it is. It's going to have plenty of download torque that's going to help you keep you from killing the car. But the, the inputs are so light on all the Volkswagen manual transmission products that I think that is a really easy call. That would work. The Civics could work as well. So if you could Turo a car, <laughs> it sounds kind of terrible, Turo a car to learn to drive stick. But that's about the only place you can get them now. So I think that's the alternative. But otherwise, those are my thoughts. Mm, oh, excellent. It's a question from Jerry Air on uh, Instagram as well. Are the license plates used for the show real? <laughs> We've answered this before, but I do want to tell my joke because uh, I couldn't resist. They noticed that yeah. we got both Utah and California. You notice on one of our episodes, Colorado will come up, and that's just our way of saying, hey, it's a little Easter egg, so you kind of know mm-hmm. what state, where the, the cars were Where filmed. we shot, yeah. We We've kind of messed up a few times when we didn't have the plates ready, so you can kind of tell. But in general, that's the little Easter egg, so you know where that episode was shot. 
And my joke is that I'm making fake paper license tags so I can get arrested, go to prison to make real ones. So, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Really enjoy that, actually. That, that That's a good life goal. Well done, sir. <laughs> but no, it's it's not in any way to defraud or, uh, you know, make states lose revenue. It's mainly to protect if there's individuals whose cars we borrow, mm-hmm. protect yep, their yep. license tag from being seen on camera, and to brand the show just to be consistent. Yep. And they're things. so real that they're unnoticeable. That's kind of the point. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what but what we're happens? Not, we're a not lot trying of, to defraud. That's not my. That's never been the. No, point. it's it's just been they're, they're picture plates. The show and they're picture just, plates. I mean, yeah. plenty of plenty of people shoot and they will take the license plate off and they will put just essentially a plate with their logo on it, Which just is like what you we see could a plate, do. We could a plate with a logo that you see when you buy a car from a dealer and it just has the paper logo plate in it. That kind of idea from a from an outlet. And we just we wanted to be inconspicuous, which is one of the great things about the license plates, but still have that branding afforded to us, which is great. And uh, we have on a couple of occasions forgotten to take the plates off, and we have to call <laughs> an owner when they're halfway home and go, you know what, don't get pulled over. Uh, you don't have the license plate on your car. So uh, now we do take, I mean, just like you would when you actually have a car without a license plate and you have a little tag or whatever. We right, always pull right. the plates and put them right there in the car. You have license plates. They're just not on right now because we're shooting the car. So yeah, Exactly. It's just a super temporary thing so i kind of look at it as ask for forgiveness later uh yes the, <laughs> i agree with that completely but yep. the question on here is about the nielsen ratings which i thought you could touch on about fast forwarding oh. through commercials and how that impacts ad revenue and also that wearable device that nielsen has does that track whether the commercials are watched or are they just tracking the watched minutes of the show i thought it was a great question it is a good question. I wish I knew more about Nielsen than I do, especially how specifically that tracker works. My understanding and all of the Nielsen ratings I've ever seen for our show and others, it is just a eyeballs that watched program number. It is not a drill down to they watched this at this point and this at this point. You can sometimes get those numbers, especially on like live sporting events. I know they're tracking that kind of stuff. We don't have access to those numbers for our show in general. It's just a by the way, this many hundred thousand people were watching your show when, mm-hmm. whenever this happened, you know, and they try right. to extrapolate. Again, there's there's some magic going on here. They try to extrapolate how many members of the family were watching it together. It's not just a household. It's how many members. But they aren't tracking down to, oh, well, that commercial break got watched and this one didn't. And you fast forwarded through that. Uh, it's a known thing. It's not something that we can get the specific analytics for without uh, some difficulty. So it isn't really going to matter. If you're watching the show, that counts toward our Nielsen number. But let's be honest, it counts toward our Nielsen number mainly if you're a Nielsen family or if you're somehow <laughs> involved with the, with the algorithm. I don't know how the algorithm gets extrapolated. I, I come back to my reality of we should have at least 1% of households in this country in the Nielsen number, and it's nowhere close to that. So how they extrapolate is beyond me. You could put that on your Facebook page or your resume. We're a Nielsen family. What? Yeah, but you're not supposed to. I mean, they give you a little bit of a financial stipend for the hassle. Oh, they do. They're and paying you. Oh. Yeah, and they, a tiny one. And then, and then you, they require you to say nothing to no one. Oh. So that's the whole thing. Because let's be honest, people like us, idiots like us, come along and go, you're a Nielsen family. Would you watch my show? So uh, <laughs> right. that's why nobody and says And we'd it. ask. Yeah. We'd say, would you please? Thanks. Thanks a million. <laughs> Tell all yeah, your friends. For sure. Please. For sure. Anyway. Okay, I'm looking at uh, favorite steering wheels from B. Burles on Instagram. I'm actually going way back to when you could adjust the timing and spark on your steering wheels of the 20s oh, cars. Sure. sure, sure, sure. Brass, wood, honest, real materials. Those are my favorites. Love those. Just okay. beautiful sculpture. Love it. 
Interesting. Okay. I have two track daily crushes to leave us with. Uh, you may have others, but that's all that I've got still on my list here. Uh, first one's a little odd. Track daily crush. The track part's the hard one here. Fisker Karma, the original one. Volkswagen Phaeton. An original DeLorean. Oh. Track daily crush. Oh. Um, the daily's easy. The daily's the Phaeton. The daily is the Phaeton. Um, the, the track is the hard part because... The Fisker Karma actually handles better than you think. But I would in no way define that as a track car. Um, the DeLorean <laughs> no, is no. a dynamic disappointment. It's not fast, and it doesn't handle that well. So uh, I kind of feel this, this is cheating, but I kind of feel like the answer is to track the DeLorean, but you've got to take the DeLorean and track prep it. You track it in oh, its sure. current form, and sure. it's just... It's going to drive like a lemons car. It's like you're on the track. Congratulations. Oh, DeLorean but it's not, lemons. You know, Has anybody done that? No, I don't think so. Oh. That would blow the budget, but it'd be funny. It'd be very funny. Drive with the doors up or something. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Oh, wow. All right. Keep going. Uh, well, do you have any other thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I should say I'm, I'm in agreement. I, um, well, I, the track one's hard there. The track one's really uh, the track hard. Track one there. is hard. Uh, I would crush the Karma. I daily the Phaeton, and I would mm-hmm. track the Delorean. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All yep. right. So here's one that's going to break both our hearts. Uh, Jay Strong wrote in Track Daily Crush tw- uh, 2011 edition. We were noting how many good cars were made in 2011. Yeah. No kidding. You see this coming. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the 987 Porsche Boxster Spider, Ooh. the BMW 1M, and the Mustang Boss 302. Three cars Ooh. we really, really like. He also puts in the possible Cayman R as a, as a swap-out car here. Uh, but uh, So those three, we like all three of those cars. Track Daily Crush. Oh, this mm. is tough. Track Daily Crush, Track Daily Crush. Ugh. Yikes. I, I think I'm going to daily the 1M. Okay. Uh, if I swap the Cayman R, this gets easier, but I'm going to stay with the Spider. I'm still going to track the Boxster Spider, and I'm going to crush the Boss 302, and that's a Mustang I genuinely like. Oh, man. You know what? It's it's the rare Porsche that I would crush, so I'm, I'm probably tracking the Porsche, dailing the 1M, yeah. And okay. I hate to say it. Because those boss, yeah. oh man, those are great cars. What where where this would have gotten extra difficult, oh, uh, Jay right. Strong, is if the boss had been swapped out for the uh, GT3 RS 40 that we so love. Yeah, and you would have had yeah. two Porsches, and Paul would have been stuck. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I genuinely would have not known what to do. Okay, anyway. last question for me is S. Vicentius asking, why do Americans equate size with luxury? And I. I'm intrigued by this question. I am going to do my best to answer it and dance around a little bit. But I, uh, I will say that it's probably not just Americans, but it could be other people that you know around mm. the world that equate that. In general, luxury is equated to time, getting time back. That's why people own private jets, because they essentially are buying time. They get to their destination sure, faster. Sure. Or space, space mm-hmm. around you. You want a bigger yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. You want to you know, bigger car because more space when mm-hmm. it comes to the cars though, it's, it's down to materials and build quality and 
it's very different for cars. It's like if you've ever stood in any home improvement store and heard, you know, somebody picks up a faucet and they're weighing two faucets and they pick the one that feels heavier because, well, that must be the better faucet because it's heavier, right? Mm, well, no. It, what about, what if I handed you a faucet made out of carbon fiber? It'd be ridiculously <laughs> expensive and it'd feel light as a feather and you'd think, I have no, a carbon fiber toilet because <laughs> I can. Yeah. People think, no, it doesn't have any weight to it. Well, that doesn't yeah. mean luxury. That doesn't <laughs> mean it's the most, you know, most expensive or the best thing ever. Same when it comes to cars. Luxury can mean very different things. It can mean delicacy of form. It can mean materials. Mm-hmm. It can mean really great use of space. And for cars, it's very different. So I'm just touching on that. I think it's in general because we have Montana, Wyoming, parts Agreed. of California. Yeah. We've got space. And so you think... Well, I want land, you know, that's, that's luxurious to spread your wings versus, you know, you're in a city in a small apartment and that's not as luxurious because you don't have as, you know, a lot of space. And so I think that trickles down to cars and probably that that equates, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for us. I, I, well, here. Here in the U.S., we're spoiled for space. We yeah. have more space oh, yeah. than other developed nations. Uh, I mean, the, and, and what's crazy is different places have different space. I mean, I grew up in Texas, and the <laughs> yeah, the grocery stores grocery stores in Texas. I'm not kidding you. The aisles of a grocery store in Texas are nearly as wide as a two lane road. The aisleway between the two. I mean. I, Oh the grocery gosh. carts are these massive things. The grocery carts are as big as Japanese K cars. I'm bringing it all full circle. So Can you imagine? You've got the, I'm gonna, but, but here's the thing. Just, then, please park then your hop, IMEV back in the slot when you're done shopping. Then hop on an airplane, fly to New York City, go to a grocery store in Manhattan, which is starved for space by comparison. And the sure. grocery store aisles get smaller and the gro- grocery carts get smaller. A lot of the European countries, let's be honest, they are they have developed I mean this is not news to anybody listening. They have developed all of their city street infrastructure from roads that used to have carts on them. Mm-hmm. Okay? And buildings that were built alongside of cart paths. I mean this that's because these cities are older than anything we have. Yeah. All of Texas got built after we decided, well, I got all of Texas, I could just keep building, you know? So Seriously. We, we do equate space with luxury, and because we are kind of spoiled to having lots of space, we can buy these enormous cars and not think twice about it. And it is interesting to watch. I mean, when you go overseas to small cities, this is why small cars sell well, because where do I put that enormous dually thing? They've got space, way more space than anybody else. Yes, aisle way more space. Is a, aisle 3 is a bowling alley. There's like, Practically. Practically. You know, the chips and cookies aisle, a bowling alley, you got sodas, you got the frozen foods, on and it's on. It's insane. On. It's insane. Crazy. Guys, thank you so much. Genuinely. We we do it every time, but you have responded in a really meaningful way. It is you who makes the podcast. We love for sure, entertaining for your sure. questions. If we haven't got to them, please keep asking. We're sorry we can't. It's, uh, well, we got to end the podcast at some point because we could talk for days, clearly. <laughs> yes, we could. Thank you very, very much. It's uh, We're having such fun and hope you can connect with the uh, the show on Saturday morning. Hope you catch that. And if not, again, it'll come to Amazon a little bit later. But in the meantime, we're looking forward to next time. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks again. Talk soon. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) 
I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.